Hello. I didn't see you there. I was just lost in thought listening to the new Lana Del Rey album. Like me, she isn't real. I relate. Any whoa. You came here to hear Eduardo and Kevin ramble on about new music, and boy, is that what you're gonna get today. Four artists enter. One artist. Wait. Sorry. I've been watching a lot of Beyond Thunderdome lately. For no particular reason. Any whoa. Did you come here to hear new music from Wednesday? Allison Brown, Nashville Ambient Society, and Rachika Nair? If so, you are in luck. Because that is what is about to happen to you. Enjoy your experience while you can. Okay. All right, all right. If we say we aren't a fan of the new venue, do they? Oh, I they stopped. The cr- they, they, I, I was, they, yeah, immediately. Yeah, apparently everyone loves yeah. Atlantis. I was expecting that crowd to start chanting, lock him up, lock him up. Oh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> uh, I, I watched a little bit today. This is an exciting episode uh, because uh, this is kind of on, off the cuff. Yeah. Like, we, yeah. we just we were like, you know, should we talk about an album this week? And the answer was kind of like, no. No, there aren't. Yeah, I mean, we should talk. There's, there's a lot of news happening. There is, there's, there is. Yeah. There's a lot of news uh, on the ticketing front, on venue fronts. But uh, you know, you know too, though. People don't know that the past few episodes we've cut out at least sixteen to seventeen hours of us talking about issues in the music industry. <laughs> <laughs> so working out. Yeah, so two yeah. Saturdays ago, that episode was going to be like thirteen hours long. <laughs> It was, it was, it had an intermission. It had, you could order snacks to your house. It was, it was fantastic. But, uh, but you know, we, we felt it was a little too, it was too good. It was too good. (laughs) Too good for the world. Yeah. I mean, once once you get me started talking about shit like discovery mode, um, that's, I'd still like to do that though. I'd like to get somebody rational on. Um, um, I'm I'm neither just for the record for people I'm neither for nor against but it is it is an ad buy it's a marketing expense so yeah make make of that what you will but that doesn't mean I'm for it but yeah I guess I you know I guess my you know my the 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 question that is that is going to keep coming back for me in light of news about just about everything happening in music up to and including the opening of the new IMP venue in DC that mm-hmm. um, that we've all known about for a while but has you know really hit the major publications last night and this morning um, the thing I keep I keep wondering is when was the last time that the music industry was well served by economic conditions that favor consolidation, uh, the concentration of power in right. a few actors, right? It's it it, it it you know other than you know the last good for fans development in the music industry is the advent of streaming. Um, you know that is that is I think an unambiguous good yeah. for consumers. 
Um, and, you know, the coterie of services that go with that, the algorithms, the recommendations, all of those things have been like helpful. They've, they've encouraged a spirit of discovery in music listeners who might otherwise only stay in their lane. And so I'll say that that is really the last big positive thing that has happened that's right. benefited fans in, in music. Almost every other piece of news about the music industry or about the economics of music, I think, has been bad for fans and sometimes... Uh, sometimes just as bad for artists. Sometimes maybe not as bad for artists, but oftentimes just as bad for artists. Yeah, do that. I agree, and I think you'll probably do this at the end of the episode too. But like you, you advocate for like you're going tonight. Um, we're yeah. taping a little earlier. Uh, lots of rooms. If you want to see bands that have like 200, 300 people in them, uh, there's lots of rooms in DC. There's a few rooms here. Um, we suffer a lot of the same consolidation problems in Milwaukee. I mean, every town does. Yeah. This is not, except maybe New York. I think, I think like, and possibly Los Angeles. Like, I know there's big promoters there, but there's also, there's just too much for, for that yeah. to actually happen like that. But uh, if, if you're thinking that you want to support artists more of this size, just pick a room that is not owned by somebody who owns... 50 to 80 percent of the rooms in the in the market and you're going to have a good time because those people know those people are closer to the music they are uh they they know what their crowd likes and their crowd is like you you're looking for something maybe a little different um and a lot of times those venues are are also musicians that that's actually really key uh yeah there's a there's good there's good curation that typically happens at the venue level too. Mm-hmm. And so if you find a place that, if you find a place that you like, I mean, I mean, this is, and this is something that, you know, I, I, I think, I think Joe from Songbird was one of the first people I heard talking about this on, on our old show yeah, yeah. Um, about New Orleans and about New Orleans being the kind of place where people just go out to see live music without a plan. It's not a ticketed yeah. event. It's not something they decided on three weeks beforehand. It's a Thursday. You want to go see some live music. Let's go. And that's just a fundamental value about how you approach music and if that sounds interesting to you try it out just you know next time you're home bored on a thursday night Mm -hmm. go out to a club go see a live band and advocate for people who want to start up places like that that aren't necessarily like you know music venues with all these amenities Uh, advocate for them to uh, do that help them out help them out with your money like that, that that this is what's important um you know, it's funny. We talked 30 minutes before this. We didn't. Let's move so, on. Let's move sorry, on. sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, guys. Sorry. Uh, lots of new music out. And lots of new music has been coming out over the past few months. Uh, I, I will say, and I don't mean this is necessarily a downer, this is not a great year of music for me. I, I don't know what it is. I, I think it's probably me. Um, and I say that. Um, because there was like, uh, there was obviously this weekend, a lot of discussion about boy genius, you know, big indie band and spoiler, they're on (laughs) not an indie label. So, uh, (laughs) let's just, and that's okay. They don't, they don't need to be indie. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about this, uh, in the coming up songs we're going to talk about. But, uh, one of the really great takes I saw and, and I, don't have their name right now, but I, I will put it in the show notes and credit them because it was basically saying, you know, anytime you uh, a piece of art, a piece of work, whether it be a piece of music, whether it be the show or anything, uh, disagrees with your sensibilities, the first thing you should do is look at yourself and see why. Why is that? 
And and that really hit home because that's what we do. And that's what we've been saying forever is like, that's that's what we do. And yeah. and I think that's how you can come to appreciate more music. Uh, you'll also listen to a lot more music. You know, you and you'll revisit it. We, we've said yeah. tons of times there's nothing better than not liking something and then coming back like a year later and being like, holy shit. Oh yeah. This is amazing. That is, that is the ultimate thrill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It really is. And, uh, sometimes it takes like, you know, 20 or 30 years, uh, Mm -hmm. which is even better. Uh, sometimes it just takes six Dawes albums. (laughs) (laughs) So you should measure time. Um, so, uh, that having been said, uh, we basically were just kind of, talking and putting together a list of songs, some stuff coming up, some stuff we've been listening to. Uh, I think it's a good balance of stuff. And uh, I don't know, is, is the wheel still? No, the wheel's probably broken. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I mean, I think to, you know, to your, to your point, um, there have been a lot of, um, there have been a lot of, I think, albums this year that have kind of played it, played it straight. They're yes. just... Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, you know, there've, there've been, um, I'm, I've, by which I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not putting that down at all. Yeah. What, you know, the shift in my own kind of music consumption has been primarily toward, uh, going to see live music. And so now that's my, like, right. like my discovery algorithm now is whoever is opening for a band or just as often, whoever, uh, the band that I want to see is opening for, um, yeah. and, and with, and, and, you know, through that, um, I come to the way I think about bands primarily is not through their recorded output. It's, is this a good live band? Did they put on a good show? And from there yeah. I can dive into their recordings and just because of the way things work out there, you know, those albums are usually a few months old. So bands I'm seeing now in April might've put out a record in November or December of last year. Right. So yeah. when I think about 2023, like I've seen some fantastic shows, but I haven't heard nearly that level of uh, recorded uh, music, um, and it's right. a little disappointing. Yeah, um, I, I certainly haven't heard it in the in the rock mode, if you will, or or, <laughs> or the pop mode. Uh, certainly been some great jazz recordings, um, yep. a few a few good, really good country recordings. Uh, that Midland album from last year is still like, mm. we're, got I might finally like Parker McCollum. I don't know yeah. if that's a strange, yeah, yeah, no, no. yeah, yeah. yeah. stuff like that. You go back and you, and you find all this stuff and, um, and part of it is like finding out that a lot of people are doing the same thing and that's okay. Yeah. You know, the, we talked about saturation in the music industry and that's why it's really hard to get her on Spotify, but also that means there's a lot of like if you like one type of thing, like if you like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, there's lots of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches out yeah. there right now. Boy, do I have news for you! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna kick things off by starting uh, talking about one of them. Um, and in that spirit, uh, just full disclosure, this is a band that I am not uh, that well versed in. And if if you heard the band and then were like thinking of me, you'd be like, "There's no way Kevin <laughs> likes this band." I'm so glad you're addressing this right. Yeah, right no, off the no, bat. I'm not. I'm not going to be. <laughs> and and I don't. Uh, uh, I don't love the album. So it, it, it's very much like you said the the band that I'm rooting for. Uh, yeah. And that name of the, of the band is Wednesday. Uh, it, it is led by Carly Hartzman, uh, M. J. Lenderman, who put out a fantastic album uh, last year. Yes. Is, yes. is is in that as well. 
Um, and these guys came up in Asheville. The album before this was Twin Plagues. They put out a an album of covers, uh, I, which, which which I loved. That was, I think, my introduction to them. The country one. Yeah, the, the yeah. One like with, she's acting yeah. single, and, I, and I'm drinking yeah. double. I'm drinking double. Yeah, yeah. That's such a <laughs> and 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 so to see the youth uh, come pick up on that. But there, there's so there's this like country grit to their stuff, sort of stapled on to Sonic Youth. Which was a look that that was a thing that happened in the nineties, not the country part, but everybody was just like, "What if we sound more like Sonic Youth?" Because Sonic Youth was rad, and and you should do that. Um, but so on the first listen, the surface listen, I'm like, "Not for me." But because I know so many people who are involved, I know people who have seen the band and love it. Uh, not from reviews that say it's like this album, like music's over, this is it. Not, not from shit like that. I gave it a few more listens and their whole catalog, a few more listens. And now I can like sort of lean back with songs and the song that uh, I really like off this new album, Rat Saw God, uh, which came out on Friday uh, is Bath County. And the reason I like this uh, and, and you'll hear it in the song is that I have always loved like a, a song or a story. It's a well-defined sense of location. It, 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 you you have three minutes to build your scene, um, and when you do it, like this is something like Stephen King is really good at. For example, you can say what you will about his his books, the quality of them and stuff, but you know you're in a world when you're reading it. You're you you are transported to this world. That's something that like Carly is very good at. For Bath County, it's a particular part of Virginia. Uh, close to West Virginia, um, that really captures when you start getting down to the boot or on that border, it's gorgeous, but it's also there's like this impoverished de desperation. Um, and if you haven't been there, I don't, I, it's hard to understand because the dichotomy of the two, but there's a line that you're hearing this, uh, Kid in Bath County, Virginia, sipping piss-colored bright yellow Fanta, heard someone died in the Planet Fitness parking lot, fire trucks rolled in, and people stood around. Sounds like a typical Saturday in Bath County. <laughs> uh, so we're going to hear a little of that. Uh, this is Bath County uh, by Wednesday off of their new album, Rat Saw God.
right. So that's a little, little bit of view inside Bath County. Uh, I would say pretty accurate. And uh, good shout out to the drive-by truckers, too. Like, yeah. it's, it's hard to believe that the truckers are now an institution when 20 years ago I was seeing, like, Patterson at Post Pub just pounding whiskey. And now, like, the kids are like, no, 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 this is our mythology well you know i think i think what what um what a lot of um folks react to negatively about you know post 90s indie college rock whatever you want to call it um is that it can be kind of um it can be a little lifeless it can be kind of sterile mm-hmm. um and it feels a little bit sometimes like it's like smart people trying to keep their hands clean or something like that, or sort of trying to stay yeah. in an abstract space for as long as possible without having to commit to like being a body in a place, which is why I think your intro was so great. I mean, this, this album, um, and, and, you know, we've had, we've had some time to, to sit with, uh, to sit with it and, um, uh, and we're actually, you know, it's, it, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, we've. <laughs> I was gonna say it's it's out in a couple of days, but that doesn't really matter. Anyway, yeah. uh, w- you know there are songs in here about being like, um, you know, touching like a not grounded wire in your practice space. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Right. Uh, live wire and getting electrocuted. There's um, there are there are songs in here about um, I don't know fuck up fuck ups who like pass out on other people's couches and yeah. like don't have their life together. You know, it's yeah. a very that that grit, that realism, that feeling of like dirt under the fingernails, I think is really palpable uh, with the record. The songs go places; they do things. Um, I I'm forgetting now. I think it might be Bull Believer, which oh, yeah, just yeah, has yeah. a full like minute of shrieking. Um, yeah. Of Carly just you know uh, sort of emoting in the most kind of visceral way possible, and I uh, really responded to that. I can't wait. I can't wait to see that live. Yeah, they're playing at Cactus Club, and uh, and spoiler, like we might serve them barbecue, but that's neither here nor there. But um, <laughs> I offered, uh, but uh, yeah. but it, it, it the yeah, it's it's there's a again for me for this type of music, I have to get past the surface. But that particular spot in Bull Believer, like really, at first I was like, oh no, oh, no, and then uh, and then something clicked and i was like all right and as soon as it did then i was like kind of locked into everything else they were doing and now i'm going back to the catalog and going like yeah you know you know this is uh you know i don't think what they're saying is necessarily new but i I think that can be said about pretty much every band uh but i think it's important and and i think it's important that these voices and these stories like keep getting told uh because they resonate and and some of them are are like celebrations of, of the joy of being a youthful fuck up. And some of them are warnings. Like yeah. we as people keep making the same mistakes over and over and over generation after generation. Um, and the fact that like, I'm of an older generation now than the people in this band doesn't mean what they're saying is any less relevant to like, even my, my experience. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's well put. I mean, I mean, there is a, um, uh, you know, when I respond to a record like this, it sort of, um, reverberates in the same way that like my first, I don't know, pavement listens or something where Mm -hmm. like you hear, you hear this song and you hear these, these people making something and it sounds like 
brilliant and it's disconnected from you, but you keep leaning in and then it keeps revealing itself to you and sort of yeah. doing things. And I think that's really, yep. um, you know, that depth is something that gets forgotten a lot. Um, and it's something that, I don't know, I think, I think music critics usually try to like impose on artists sometimes when it's not there. Um, and in the case of this record, to me, it's, it's really, it's really all there. there there's no need to throw shade at Lana Del Rey like that. <laughs> I, I would, not I would at all. never. I, I in fact would not criticize Lana Del Rey, okay. but that's that's uh, that's neither here nor there. Neither would we on this show <laughs> ever <laughs> about that. Um, at any rate, all right. So so uh, the first track out of the way. Yeah, yeah. What Good you stuff. got? Um, I'm gonna take us to a really different place. Uh -huh. um, this is gonna be a tonal shift in in many ways. Um, there's a banjo player named Allison Brown, and I've I've really um, enjoyed her playing over the years. And she's not someone who has who has released music all that consistently, and she, and she records in different kind of different outfits. And um, and where she intrigued me was there was a record. Um, she had a quartet in the '90s, and they had a record called Out of the Blue, which was sort of an attempt to use the banjo in a sort of bossa nova lounge jazz oh, kind of setting and it was just lovely and buttery and uh really just interesting melodies and the playing on it was on point and i've really been a fan of her of her approach to the banjo there's all these different things that you know you get with like you know bela fleck everyone talks about sort of his uh you know the brightness of his playing and obviously mm -hmm. the 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 you know the technical um, his virtuosity with, you know, with, with Alison Brown, she, you know, she has that, but she's also to my ears, the only person who really manages to, to bridge, uh, that kind of warm tropical sound yeah. and a really elegant, uh, approach to the banjo. I think her chords sound warmer than, uh, other banjo players chords. And there's sort of, there's a sadness, there's a prettiness to her playing, and um, uh, sh this came out, she released this, I think, a little snippet on Instagram, and then uh, following that, released the whole video on YouTube. It's one of the lead singles on a record that's coming out uh, in May called on, on Banjo. Yep. And the song is, I also feel like I have to disclose this, it's a, it's a medley of Here Comes the Sun and uh, Waters of March. And I know no one needs to hear a cover of Here Comes the Sun. And I agree. I, I was not excited. What's that? I love that song. What are you talking yeah, about? No, it's, it's great. It's, yeah. it's, it's, been, it's been done a lot. It's been done a lot. So it can on be paper, done, if it I can told be done you, a lot more, too. Yeah. Um, but but I, I, I would encourage you to sort of, uh, not you, Kevin, in particular, but the listener, right. to drop any prejudices you might have against someone covering the Beatles and really just remember that that is a fantastic song. And the way she moves seamlessly into this very famous Jobim standard, Don Jobim, uh, the sort of godfather of Brazilian bossa nova. And it sort of flows into it and back. And I just, you know, the arrangements are lovely. The playing is gorgeous. And I hope everyone loves this as much as I did. All right.
That's fire. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so glad. I, I figured I figured it would uh, I figured it would warm its way into uh, into your little heart there. Yeah, um, man. Yeah. That uh, it it's really hard. Not as hard in indie rock, but in 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 stuff like that to distinguish players a lot of times. Uh huh. So if you just gave that to to me and said didn't tell me who it was, I'd still be like, that's fire. But now I'm like, this gets to your point about live music. Now I'm invested in this human that made it. Yeah, and I, and I want to find out more about her, and I want to find out more about this album, and I'm going to find out about her career, and then I'm gonna go and spend like a day maybe with a gummy or two and just listen to the whole thing, like the whole catalog. And so I can get a good picture of who's somebody that arrived at the point in their life that they were like, this is a good idea. And then convinced everybody, me included that fuck yes, it was a good idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, re the album out of the blue is really, uh, to me is really sort of where she hit her stride. Uh, and she probably is like my favorite banjo player. I mean, it, yeah. it just, and, and, and she sort of alternates between sort of traditional acoustic, more bluegrassy stuff. And then the sort of more loungy, uh, bossa nova type, uh, type stuff. And it's really, uh, I don't know. It's the kind of thing where on paper you're like, um, you know, do you expect a sort of a lounge jazz cover of the Spider-Man theme to work? Um, and you right. may, you might not be sure, but then you you hear her band do it, and you're like, oh yeah, that's uh, that absolutely does work. Yeah, and I, I think stuff like that too is uh, we often call that novelty, but yeah. but I I think showing how the the myriad of ways we can interact with our, our world and pop culture is like endlessly endlessly fascinating. I mean, like that's why Weird Al Yankovic has a career. Yeah. Um, but there, there's way deeper that you can go with that stuff. And, and some of it's hit or miss. I don't, I don't know, you know, in talking about money in like venues and, and, and arts and, and other stuff at the end of the day, the reasons people make this most people isn't, isn't because of that money. And, and the reasons are often like hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah. It's just deeply like, personal, very specific. But yeah. again, like that, she got to that. Yeah, like I'm sure you could go like, uh, I love the Beatles, love this song, like this. I, I'm sure you could do all that, but it could just be something as simple as like, I, I got I sang it to my cat so much over the pandemic that I had to like do it, which is hilarious. She she does have songs named for her cats, so I didn't know that, but I sensed it. I sensed it. <laughs> All right, who was that again? That's Allison Brown. Um, that's from the, her forthcoming record on banjo, which comes out like May third or something like that. All right. Um, this is normally where we would stop and we would say we're about to have a big discussion about an album. Uh, we're not going to do that today, listener. We're just going to keep going, and it's funny. Little side note: When I first, the first time I met Bob uh, Boylan, mm -hmm. uh, it was at Black Cat DST venue, and I walked up to him, and I, and I don't know why I said this, but I was just like, "Yeah, I, I started a show, but basically, we're just going to be completely ripping you off. It's completely <laughs> like that." Yeah. And he, and the, this is the way Bob is. Like he's like, he's like, "That's fine." 
<laughs> he, he's very generous with his his inspiration yeah. like that. He knows. Yeah. Uh, he knows what's up. But um, but I think today is the day we actually leaned into that. We need like two more guest hosts, but neither here nor there. Um, I am excited about this because I don't even know if I sent it your way. Uh, and uh, but it is our wheelhouse. It is my wheelhouse. I've been listening to it nonstop for most of this year, if you believe that. Uh, it's an album coming out on the 14th by a band called Nashville Ambient Ensemble. Uh, the name of the album is Light and Space. Uh, this is led up by a composer named Michael Hicks. He's obviously in Nashville, electronic composer. Uh, and, and he focuses on stuff, uh, more collaboration and improv. Uh, but in, in, in as, as you'll hear, like sort of a Nashville type uh, vibe. They definitely are in that ambient country mode with the band Sus, bands like okay. that. Okay. Um, this band features uh, Deli Paloma Sisk on vocals, Jack Silverman on guitar, Kim Ruger on piano, Luke Schneider on pedal steel. And they were all part of a earlier album called Cerulean, and then Alicia Enstrom on violin. Um, this is like created for an art museum. <laughs> like, so... Mm you're supposed to just sort of like experience these as you're like walking through the art museum. Um, and they're paired with exhibits and stuff like that. It's, it's a fascinating idea. And again, it's, it's how, how art and how music, not necessarily pop music can interact with our environment and why it should. Um, you know, there's the whole joke of like every walking around, like you could have like, uh, I almost said lead singer syndrome, um, main character syndrome. And like, so you're, you're soundtracking like everything. And, yeah. um, but this is actually, I think this is that this is, this is actually like, Oh no, we just made a soundtrack to you, to you, uh, existing in the world. Uh, but it's, uh, the entire album is, is absolutely fantastic. One of my favorite releases of this year. This is the closing track on it. This is called horizon. And I, I think you're going to love it in Eduardo. And I think people listening are going to, Love it. So here you go. This is National Nashville Ambient Ensemble with Horizon.
I immediately, and, and you're going to know what I'm saying, like, as I say it, but my first thought is if I could see Dallas, Japan cakes. Um, yes. Always, always go to that with a sort of cosmic uh, pedal steel thing. Um, How you know. well known is that album, do you think? I don't know. Um, the first time you mentioned it to me, I was like, I, I was not aware that other people knew this record. Um, Maybe we should do a whole show on it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it got a lot of. For me, it was an e-music find back when, you know, in the early days of digital music, and I had the unlimited e-music thing, and they had a couple of curated, check this out, uh, right. and um, that's how I discovered them. But uh, all right, well, but that's not what we're here to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, we're not talking about that right now. We're talking, <laughs> we're talking about this uh, Nashville ambient ensemble. Would you think? Man, that was lovely. That yeah. was um, uh, the. There's there's a lot of attention there paid to um, not having the instruments um, sound too soft focused. Like mm -hmm. you can still tell that they're real instruments, and it's not just this sort of like uh, wave of sound. Um, and that sort of is that a is that a was that a pedal steel run through like a synth i'm sure i i, I don't yeah. know the actual um the the setup of that i know the violin is is run through a little distortion there okay. um yeah so there's a, there's a lot of stuff and um yeah it's it's interesting i i think in 2023 ambient is getting a little more redefined which obviously i love like for the reasons that you're talking about because you Traditionally, ambient was just like one. I mean, the whole joke is like one person hitting a, a key on a keyboard for four minutes. Yeah. Um, but it was also very, very synth oriented. And now we're seeing that you can use other instruments. And, and it is, I, I think, really embracing the meaning of the word like ambient or ambiance um, that it, it can be a lot of things. And, and the crucial thing is that it's not distracting unless you want it to be. Yeah. And, and it's, and, and I think for that music to work, it has to be, um, you know, well, there has to be enough heft and substance to it that if you want to dig into it and do a very active right, listening, right. It, it, it rewards you for that, but it should also not, attach itself to you so strongly that you can't kind of pull yourself above it and, you know, soundtrack your, uh, you know, your Saturday morning errands, uh, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I, I think it's funny. The, uh, the Harold Budd album pavilion of dreams, it's always like, I'm, I'm in there, I'm in there. And then the voice comes in and it's always a disconnect and I love it. I, I yeah. love it, but it is, it is very much like something I was, counting on being in one place and then I'm not. And that, that kind of forces you to pay attention to that. Uh, this doesn't, this doesn't as much, although I mean, there's vocals on this album, so it definitely, like, oh, there are. yeah, okay. it, de it, de it definitely, um, it definitely like taps into that, ta taps in, into the Harold Budness uh, inherent in all of ambient music. Another thing I love, and I don't know if we talked about this album or, or my love for it is how much, it reminds me this song specifically of a lot of the work David Gilmore did on his album on an Island. Um, you know, Interesting. when you say Floydian, uh, that means a lot mm -hmm. of different things to a lot of different people. But to me, 
I, it, the, the attraction of Pink Floyd, one of them, I should say, was the ability for the band, minus Roger Waters, to create this like ambient space that you can just exist in. Um, you know, they, they won Grammys for their instrumentals on the, uh, was it Momentary Lapse of Reason? You can, whatever, you know, for that. But but they've always done that. And then on, on Island, he, he actually perfected that. They, it starts very beautifully. And then there's some, um, there's obviously vocals on all, but there's these great moments, like a two minute intro to a song that you hear and you're just like, there's, you know, there's, it, it, it's not lost on me that, that you and I um, have spent a lot of time talking about music that is, that fits into this broad, the broadest possible interpretation of this category, right? Which is mm-hmm. sort of like largely instrumental um, music that is not particularly song based uh, yeah. and that never sounds like it was written on a guitar. Um, yes. Right. And, and I, and there's something happening. I, I, I was just reading, um, I think Ted Gioia had a thing in his newsletter recently about, uh, how classical music listening is on the rise among all age groups. And it doesn't seem to be, uh, just to have classical music on like while you're sleeping, it seems to be, you know, uh, people are listening to classic to more classical during sort of peak music listening hours. And I, I wonder. I wonder what like if there's something happening with this. If 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 we're sort of seeing a shift of more music listeners because of streaming being ready to embrace music that is not purely song based. Are we sure that that wasn't like paid content from Apple Classical Music app, <laughs> which launched not, which launched last week? We're also we're also not sure if it's um, people putting it on for their pets or kids. You know, I, I, I assume yeah. they correct for like the baby Mozart uh, stuff, but. Uh, that's a, you know, I didn't know about that trend, uh, and I, and I will seek out that piece. Uh, that's an interesting thought that that might happen. Uh, I, I think, so for people who don't know, like I, I played classical music, like my entire upbringing until like I was like 20, maybe. Um, and I was concert master in our youth orchestra and all that, um, and so I, I don't see divisions necessarily like this is classical and this is this like classical informs everything because it's structure, but it's also melody. It's just melody based on like the instruments they had, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, they yeah. didn't have a synthesizer, so there's nothing that sounds like a synthesizer in classical music. If they had had one, it right. would have it would be in there. And that's why you hear like Sakamoto, who just passed away. Uh, yeah. That album's fantastic. Uh, the last oh man. But yeah. Uh, and so we may be streaming is just opening up to people interested in that, <laughs> losing interest in what people have to say. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but also that feels great if that's a thing, because what that will teach you about is just by listening to it. There, there's a Suzuki method of, of, Instruction mm-hmm. is what how I, I learned. It trains your ear. Um, specifically, it pretty much only trains your ear. It's like light on music theory. And and you play, you can sight read, but you really play in by ear. Um, but that can like influence all kinds of different ways of, of thinking, like divergent thinking in a good way. 
and start to connect a lot of dots because you're just more active. Uh, and yeah. I think if if people, especially youth, are are getting into that, and that's that's potentially rad. Um, I I find myself I'm trying to like like as a composer I'm trying to not for a while I, I I've been fighting that and then I realize I can't I, I just put like a cello in it or a mellotron or a flute like it's yeah, and yeah. and then all of a sudden I, for me I'm in classical mode right and. It doesn't have to be that way, though, because what I want is like, oh, I just want it to be classically informed, but I can't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, um, well, I mean, I think, I think you can, you know, because of your background, you can give yourself permission to bring in those, those colors, those hues, sure. those instruments that other folks might, might struggle to. Um, but, you know, I'm also thinking about my good, I have a good friend from high school who um who is a is a musician and she uh she teaches using the suzuki method yeah and she is she's here in dc and she is she is booked solid um there is a lot of demand for someone who can you know work with kids and teach them how to play the violin um yep. and that has to that has to be a good thing right that has to be a really good thing i think so one of our really good friends their daughter uh she is 12 i think uh, is taking violin. We were just seeing them in Madison, and she's really enjoying it. And she's doing Suzuki method. But I did yeah. say to her, and I'll say this to anybody listening who has a kid doing this, or if you're old and want to start doing this, that is important. That that uh, uh, having a good ear and a good bass is absolutely vital to playing anything. But make sure, just specific to violin, you then also take lessons from a fiddle player. It's something I did not do. And uh -huh, it's yeah. something that it, it will haunt me till till my deathbed because there's just a way that I play. I mean, and this tracks through to the way I play any instrument. You know, it's just that looseness is not there because I at a really critical time, I was pounding on the like serious instruction uh, instead of like being like, no, you can just get out here and go go crazy in like a, a, a fiddle jam or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and I think and you don't need to do it a lot. You know, and, and like the kind of converse of that is, or uh, side of that is like people who are like take piano lessons and they wanted to play the Beatles, say, and they're like, no, 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 that's not real music. Fuck that. But also maybe don't fire your teacher. Have, have a discussion yeah. with them. Have, be yeah. like, I really want this. If they can't teach you that, you can go to somebody else to learn that. Uh, but, but yeah, really, um, yeah, at all age groups. And people should know too, you're a banjo player. Um, but I, but I think you're like me. It's like everybody was like, I've never heard you play, even though they knew I played. And if they did, they're like, "Fuck, dude, what the hell?" And I think you're secretly awesome. But we'll we'll I'm find not, out soon. I, no, 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 no. I we'll, promise you, I'm not. Well, you're I gonna be on a record not, soon, but, yeah. I, I think. So so, okay. but but yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, Nashville Ambient Ensemble. Good stuff. Good <laughs> out stuff. Four fourteen, uh, light and space. Uh, we got one more track. What you got? We are going to go, um, we're going to stay in this lane, um, and uh, we're going to listen to someone who um, is kind of new to both you and I, Kevin, because um, we sort of uh, came across this, uh, uh, this a, a pitch for a reissue of a record, and it was someone that, that you and I didn't know, but it sounded right up our alley, mm -hmm. and within, I don't know, 10 minutes of uh, connecting on it, we were both like all the way in and bought all the way in. Yeah on this artist. Um, we're going to play a track by uh, Rachika Nayar. 
who is um, a Brooklyn-based musician who constructs really interesting, I mean, this is, I'm going to fall into like music journalism cliches here, but you know, interesting landscapes and kind of, uh, it, 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 it has elements that are, that feel experimental and classical and like ambient music. It has, um, it has some melodic, um, heft and structure to it. Um, I, I really have enjoyed this record and I think in much the same way that you described the Nashville ambient one, which is just, it's a really great record to have on while you're either doing things that require your attention or while you're just sitting still and thinking and trying to understand like the rhythm and the pace at which the world breathes. And this record kind of, uh, kind of shows you that. So this is going to be the song, uh, Gayatri off of, um, Heaven Come Crashing by Rachika Nayar.
just goes all over the place, um, and and I love it. I, I I love this. It's not new, but this artists who work in this mode go like big time cinematic without using the same instruments, with uh, using like very different instrumentation. Yeah, and the feeling yeah, I mean, is it's way different. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting to hear, you know, uh, I, I think in contrast to some of the other stuff we've talked about, like like these songs, you can see how they came out of someone playing with a guitar yeah. and just looking for sort of tonality and kind of other things in there. Um, and and that's also like a fun, a fun thing to think about is just how you go from like one specific instrument and how that can unlock this whole sort of universe of, of, of sound and uh, and landscapes and um this is this is this to me was one of the like most um uncomplicated new listens of late where like i just put it on and about a minute in i was like oh i think i'm gonna really like this yeah five minutes in i knew i really liked it and then i continued to really like it all the way through to the end and uh the vinyl repressing sold out very quickly unfortunately oh did it damn yeah uh, for this type of music, do you feel because you know as you get into this album or any album like this, uh, you're gonna it's often not as delineated like song to song like a different sound, right? Yeah. And I wonder if that can present a challenge to listeners, uh, or or if people are gonna be like super accepting as that if they if if you're listening to this and you're like i like that but i don't listen to stuff like that i dip my toes into it um because my suggestion would just be like this is you have to spend time with it and there, and but you don't have to you, you don't have to listen to it over and over if you don't want to yeah you know the, the, i think about this a lot um that record, um, Cinder Grove by Chuck Johnson, yeah. which was a, which that was a patented Kevin find. I think about, mm -hmm. um, Christian Finesse's, um, Endless Summer and other records in that, in those categories. And those are things that frankly, like I've, I've, I've listened to them while in recovery from surgery at a hospital. I've listened to them mm -hmm. while flying. I listened to them to fall asleep. I listened to them while I'm going for a walk. You know, I, 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 I kept like lying in a hammock and listening to a record like this on a hot summer day and falling asleep is one of the greatest musical experiences you can have. And that seems yeah. counterintuitive, but, but it really is like when music can do that to you, when it can help put you in a state of relaxation and openness and, and, and rest like that's like, just think about that for a second. Like people do drugs to get that feeling people, yeah. you know, people like people like break up happy families to get that feeling. Like if you can get that for music, that's, that's really amazing. Yeah. And I think that's when people get talking about how essential music is. Like, I think it is that, you know, it gets a little dirtier when you be like, but people also do drugs to like amplify this, yeah. <laughs> this feeling, which, which, yeah. which you can, um, uh, yeah, it is. I, I want to find out again, you know, I didn't know much about her. I want to find out more about her. I want to dig into her catalog. Uh, it's always interesting. A good experiment to do as an artist like this, especially if they've been around for a while is to see what kind of technology they pick up along the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you start with like what you have 
you know, it's DIY and, and you know, start with you had, but yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, for this, maybe you get like, you upgrade to the native instruments, like extreme 15 suite or whatever it is called. And yeah, all of a sudden you have, expense. yeah. And then you have like just massive amounts of instruments uh, at your hands and you think differently about that, but it's all about, and I think all these songs we talked about today and, and the show in general is like, trying to figure out like what people are saying beyond like what they're sometimes it's easy it's just writing the words but I, I don't think that's ever really obviously the whole story yeah there's well you know um we've had that conversation with a few folks about singing as a form of communication mm -hmm. and that it's a weird way to communicate ideas um but uh as people who listened to Living Colors Times Up a bunch of times, yeah. we can we all remember that in Africa music is not as much an art form as much as it is a means of communication. Yeah. Um, and that and that really that is that is tied to the evolution of, of of music in general is 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 the need to communicate. It's an extension of that. So um, just you know, this is uh, Heaven Come Crashing. Um, this this album is is chock full of ideas. You just have to allow yourself to think them and not assume that you can only hear ideas when uh, words that you recognize are spoken. Yes, yes. We're going to get out of here right now, I think. Uh, before I mention what I was going to talk about, coming up, we talked with Eric Johnson from Fruit Bats uh, about his new album, A River Running to Your Heart. That is going to be the week after this. Uh, Tomorrow, I, don't, I think this is coming out sometime in May, there's a great book called Quantum Criminals coming out by Alex Papadimus and Joan LeMay. Uh, it's about Steely Dan. Don't, you know, don't press stop now, like, unsubscribe. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, and, and it really gets into uh, the characters that Donald Fagan and uh, Walter Becker created and, it, and illustrates them. It's just... Uh, I love it. And I'm excited we're talking to him tomorrow. But you won't hear it for a long time. Um, anyways. All right. We're going to leave. We did not make it under half an hour. Uh, no. Next time.